Welcome to Birkbeck Voices, the monthly podcast about the latest news and research from Birkbeck University of London. I'm Guy Collander. In this episode, we focus on a subject close to home, the changing population of London and Britain. Eric Kaufman, Professor of Politics at Birkbeck, is here to share his surprising research about the declining white British population in London and what this means for multiculturalism and integration. Eric Kaufman, thank you for speaking to us about your research. Thank you, Guy. You analysed the last census results from 2011. What did you discover? Well, it's very interesting because, um, and this also made the headlines uh, here in Britain, and this was that there'd been a major shift in the ethnic makeup of London's population from approximately roughly 60% white British, if you like, in 2001 to 45% in 2011. So that was a major, major change in just 10 years in, in the city's population. There was also a, a, a well-noted shift in the share of ethnic minorities, uh, which increased from, I believe it was 20 to, well, 30 to 40%. So 40% of London made up of ethnic minorities. So that too was, but again, a slightly lesser headline than that big decline in the number of white British, but especially, it wasn't just a percentage decline, but an absolute decline. So there were over 600,000 fewer white British people in London in 2011 than in 2001, at a time, of course, when London's population was increasing quite rapidly. So this kind of jarred a little bit, you know, why was it the case that if the capital was prospering and people were moving in, how come so many fewer, you know, white British people were there in, in 2011? So that really sort of sparked off a whole conversation and played really into our research project, which was already ongoing at the time. What our research suggests is um, that actually in London you had a long tradition of large-scale out-migration from the city. So this is part of the story. This going back, really, you'd have to go back to the 1860s or 70s to, to find a time when there were more white British people coming into London than going out. So a very long tradition then of people leaving. And actually London's population really starts to reflect that after the Second World War when it starts to decline sharply. So between 1939 and the early 90s, London's population actually declined by you know, well over a million people. And it's only really been increasing in the last sort of 10, 15 years. And expected to continue to increase now. Yeah. And if you actually look at the components of change, what happened was you had always this net out-migration of 10, maybe 15% of the white British population year on year, sorry, decade on decade. Um, up until the Second World War, that was made up for by a surplus of births over deaths. So you had a relatively younger population in, in London with a, a healthy birth rate. And that the excess of that would leave the city. And this, this seems to be what's been happening. And we're living, we're continuing to live through that. So in, in the last 10 years, as in the previous 10, as in the previous 10, you had this outflow of white British people from the city. Of course, now what's happened is, is birth rates are below replacement. So what's making up for, for that outflow is immigration. And that's been true kind of since the 50s and 60s. First, European immigration, but increasingly, um, you know, from, from Asia and other parts of the world. And that's generating this quite rapid population shift. So it's not white flight, that is whites, uh, white British being uncomfortable and therefore leaving. But what does seem to be happening is that ethnic minorities and, and those who are not white British are less inclined to leave London 
considerably less inclined, and it's that gap that's really driven a lot of this ethnic change in the city. And your works grabbed media attention across the world, and a lot of description of white flight and uh, white groups in retreat. So that's not really accurate. That's, it's just no. a continuation of people moving out of London as they become wealthier and so on. Right. It, is, it isn't entirely accurate. And some of those headlines really came off the back of a press release we did, which you know, it showed that you know, there were parts of London. And this is, this is where there may be, I wouldn't call it white flight, but where this differential out-migration from London between white British and others, the white British out-migrating at historic rates and minorities not following that pattern and therefore changing the city. That is very noticeable, particularly in parts of London, such as the you know, parts of northwest London, you know, the Hounslow and, and areas that have a large South Asian component or um, Tower Hamlets in the east, uh, where you can see large areas where there are, there's a low and decreasing share of white British population. So they will have increasingly less presence to some extent, moving towards a situation of, of where large sections of uh, of London, not large sections, but considerable swaths of territory will have a very small white British presence. And that that is, I think, of interest, and of interest for a number of reasons. We see this also in the United States, where there are large sections, for example, of Los Angeles, where there's almost no sort of white US uh, presence. In, 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 and part of this is where, is part of the reason for this is that um, members of the white majority tend to be less comfortable living as minorities. And there have been studies in the U.S., studies in, in the Netherlands and in Britain too, which suggest that their residential preferences are a bit more exclusive than those of minorities, because minorities to some extent are used to living as minorities, whereas majorities are less so. And therefore, they are more inclined to leave integrated or, or diverse areas, an area that might have an even mix of groups whites may be less comfortable with being a minority. So that's driving, to some degree, I think that does drive a, a pattern about migration, which is changing the nature of um, ethnic geography in London. And this is the first time that the white British population is a minority within London. Right. How significant is that? Well, I think hmm, that's a very good question. Um, they are a minority within London, but they're not a minority within, if you like, metropolitan London, which, which would include a belt of, uh, you know, four million people around the, M outside the M25, that still are part of a kind of greater London commuter belt. So it's not yet reached a situation where they're, they're a minority within that. However, I do think it is indicative that the capital is losing its, its English flavor. And will that have an effect on the national culture? Mm. I'm not convinced of it. I mean, I think there may it may herald a, uh, a situation where you have more city, you know, urban-rural conflict or London versus the rest conflict. I, again, I, try, I tend to go back to look at the United States and New York, for example, where New York rapidly, you know, in the 19th and early 20th century had a largely non-white Protestant population, as did many other northern cities in the U.S. And that did, that was part of a political movement that really pitted the, these very diverse cities against the rest of America. You know, and that, that was a major cleavage in American politics. Whether that's going to occur in England, whether you have that cleavage between, say, the, the diverse cities, Birmingham and, and London and Leicester, etc., and the rest, whether that will become a, a major cleavage, I'm not, I'm not certain. But I do think politically 
um, you know, if if ethnic voting patterns establish themselves in the city, you know, and and if the mayor of London, you know, if if as in New York, Chicago, the mayor tends to be from one of the immigrant ethnic groups, say Irish or Italian in New York or, or, or Chicago, but it might in London it might be another group, then perhaps that could lead to an alternative power center. At present, I think we're a long way from that. And you shared your research on diversity and the white working class at a conference at Birkbeck, uh, right. jointly held with the think tank Demos, yeah. and uh, some MPs spoke at the event. How was your research received? Yeah, there's a lot of interest in the think tanks on this question. There's also a lot of interest on the question of national identity, integration. Um, how do you ameliorate ethnic segregation? So that, that is an older debate which is there, but there's, I would argue, a newer debate which is that, which is about the identity of the ethnic majority of, of Britain, or in this case, England. Um, what is going to happen with uh, what I would call uh, majority or dominant ethnicity in, in England, because how is that identity negotiated at a time when the proportion of the population made up of the ethnic English is, is in decline, and in particular in large cities it's in decline. So how then does, does that group deal with this shift, really, in its perception? And it's all linked, as I say, because of this connection between uh, local perception and national identity. What's happening locally really matters nationally. So what's happened in Barking and Dagenham shaped people's perceptions of who they're going to vote for, shaped the success of the British National Party. So there are, I think, many connections between this shifting ethnic geography and national political life. Um, and we're trying to draw some of those out in our research. I know your search is not complete yet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but in terms of policy recommendations, you say there's lots yeah. of policy interest. Yes. Are you able at this stage to distill <laughs> any policy recommendations, any areas of, of well, uh, importance? I think one of the things that we, I suppose one of the implications, and this is yet, yet to be worked out, but the argument that you should say spread um, immigrants and ethnic minorities around the country and out of their concentrations, which is I think an argument that has been made by some Integrationists. I mean, our research would suggest that may not be such a wise move necessarily in the sense that what we're showing is that areas that haven't had an experience of large numbers of uh, minorities and immigrants, if they get a sudden influx, um, then that leads to sort of more hostile uh, responses. I think you could say the same with house building. You know, there are plans to build lots of new homes. Again, the advice would be to try and spread the growth out uh, to prevent any of these sort of large-scale ethnic shifts from occurring. It'd be nice to have sort of gradual shifting. And also, it is the case that people in areas that are already diverse are more used to and have slightly more tolerant attitudes. So to some extent, oddly enough, London's capacity uh, to absorb immigration, even though spatially it might be challenged, still in terms of people's attitudes is probably greater than sort of smaller market towns, of, for example, in, in the southwest or, or northeast, for example. So again, a bit of a cautionary note on, on sort of trying to necessarily spread people forcibly or, or incentivize people to leave. And you've mentioned in the past that people have multiple attachments to their locality, uh, their nationality, their religion, and so on. Yeah. Um, what does this mean for policymakers? Um, 
Well, that's an interesting question. I, I suppose you be, people would have, say, multiple t- attachments to their, their ethnicity, for example, and their national identity. I mean, we've, we've seen this in the case of, for example, British uh, Pakistanis or, or Afro-Caribbeans or, or other groups who, who ethnic minorities in this country have a strong attachment to their ethnicity, but also a strong attachment to Britain. In many cases, a stronger attachment to Britain than white British people who tend to be more oriented towards their national identity as a English, Welsh, etc. Uh, and so in that respect, you know, you can, it seems certainly the, in terms of integration that a hyphenated British identity seems to work quite well. So you can be Pakistani and British, for example, quite easily. Uh, you can not only have multiple identities, but you can have multiple versions of the national identity, different angles on on the single British national identity. And I think allowing and having those different angles would would work quite well. And lastly, a personal question. What sort of lenses do you use when looking at at England and Britain? What multiple identities do you hold? Right. Well, that's a good question because I'm Canadian, of course, and I've, uh, but I've been in in the country for almost 20 years, maybe. Uh, Not quite, but yeah, I guess as a, you know, I, I have a Canadian identity. I, I, have a British identity, but I would never pretend that I have the same uh, type of British identity as somebody who's white British, who's born here many generations, etc. Professor Eric Kaufman, thank you very much for sharing your fascinating insights about the population in London and Britain. And that brings us and that brings us to the end of our podcast. For more news, information about research and courses at Birkbeck, visit www.bbk.ac.uk. Thank you.